So in Peterson's mind, if you hold to any sort of traditional morality, if you hold to truth, if you hold to goodness, if you hold to acting with gratitude and sacrifice, then you are acting as if God exists. What does Jordan Peterson mean when he says he acts as if God exists? Religion and faith are two words that get thrown around a lot. What do they mean, and are they the same thing? While religion and faith are often confused for the same thing, the virtue of faith and the virtue of religion are distinct. Welcome to the Monday Muse. I'm Lee Benson. Before we begin, remember you can ask me a question and I will answer it on the podcast. You can ask me by emailing me at basicallyrelatedpodcast at gmail.com. Also, remember to like, comment, share, subscribe, and tell all your friends, tell all your family. Help me to appease the fickle and pernicious algorithm gods. Also, I'd like to hear your thoughts on today's topic, so please let me know what you think in the comments below. I do read all the comments, even the nasty ones, and I try to engage and respond with them. Also, you can leave a comment there if there's a particular topic or issue you'd like me to cover in the future. So today's topic is religion, or at least the virtue of religion. What is the virtue of religion? What does it mean? And how does it apply perhaps to Jordan Peterson's claim that he acts as if God exists? Of course, we need to define our terms and make some distinctions. So we can turn to the Summa on religion. Thomas's treatment of the Summa or Thomas's treatment of religion in the Summa is in his second part of the second part. And his subject matter is the image of God in man. It's the moral setting within the virtue of religion in which he covers it is under a class of human activities. So it's the virtue of justice under the cardinal virtues, the virtues of the will. He treats the virtue of religion. And he says that religion has two kinds of acts, two particular acts. One, religion has acts that are proper and immediate to the virtue. And in the second case, acts that are mediated through other virtues. So the proper and immediate acts of religion, Thomas says, these are acts which are directly aimed at God and intrinsic to religious practice. So these would include something like sacrifice and adoration. These acts are performed solely for the purpose of honoring and connecting to God. Aquinas explains that religion also produces these other acts or commands other virtues. So he introduces the idea that religion religion governs other virtues, directing them towards the honor of God. Essentially, virtues are such as mercy or temperance are employed in the service of religion, religious devotion. So what we can say is religion, unlike faith, is a moral virtue. It belongs to the will. It's not a theological virtue like faith. So religion does not belong among the class of theological virtues of faith, hope, and charity. The object of religion is not God himself, but the worship of God. It is directed to the things that concern our end, like all moral virtues. Um, that's what Thomas means when he talks about the mediated acts, that temperance and prudence lead us to our final end, which is God, but are not directly aimed at God. The virtue of religion is practiced principally toward God himself and, in a sense, secondarily to other persons 
Thus, what we can say is that for Thomas and for the ancients in general, religion is a human activity. So that's to say that an unpracticed religion is no more a religion than looking at a painting is like painting. Religion is a practice, not a theory. Even though religion presupposes, the practice of religion presupposes a theory, that theory being that there's the existence of a God and man's dependence on God, the reality of God and human dependence on God is realized within the practice itself. It's by practicing and doing the religion that man comes to some knowledge of the theory behind it. It is in and through religious practice that man will find his images of the divine or conceptions of divinity. Although there might be intellectual instruction that goes behind the practice, the, uh, the intellectual understanding of religion, says Father White, is no more an understanding of justice or courage than a substitute for acting courage. That we might, there might be understanding, an intellectual understanding of the practice or an intellectu- intellectual understanding of the, the theory. Nonetheless, one has to act on religion and one has, as one has to act on virtue. Yet, for sure, discussion about religion can help us understand what we're doing or what we're failing to do. Religion, in the end, is no benefit to God. It's actually a benefit, benefit for ourselves. That religion benefits our sake, not God's sake. But Father White points out that religion is not magic. To sell religion for its psychological benefits is to run the grave risk of destroying religion, of turning religion into a type of magic. On the contrary, religion should be an expression of our ego's submission or subjugation and dependence on some sort of divine power. Religion is the virtue that brings reverence to a a higher nature, and that higher nature is usually what we call God. It is not merely a, a passive overcoming, but a willing expression of our dependence on this God. So it is by religion that the ego consciously and willingly expresses its actual situation of creatureliness and dependence. And it expresses this actual situation of dependence in acts of service, in acts of reverence. These acts are religion. That's the practice of religion. Thus, Father White says that religion is or should be a virtue in the sense of a disposition which benefits the subject and his activities. This is very much a scholastic understanding of virtue, that virtue is something which perfects the subject and his acts. So the virtue of charity, or we'll say the the virtue of humility, is something which perfects me, makes me better, makes my dispositions better, but I, I am also perfected in my acts, in my concrete actions of humility. So the virtue of religion, the activities which we call religious, are beneficial because they express a conscious and willing recognition of man's place in the universe. They benefit him because they impress upon him this recognition and enable him to live in accordance with the realities of his situation. That some of, their activi- some of these activities are specifically and exclusively religious. Again, those acts which would be adoration, prayer, and, and sacrifice. These are the actions which are only found in religion, according to Father White. And these actions are the cultus of God or the cult of God, the cultivation of God. They are principally aimed at God. 
But really, we can say that religion should govern all human activity, that all a man does can and should be done as an act of creaturely reverence and service to God. What gives any action a religious quality, whether or not it's actually religious or specifically religious, is the underlying will to give oneself and one's actions to God out of service of God. This is something that Thomas Aquinas will call devotion, by which we, re- we render ourselves or we self-consecrate to God all of our actions. It is a matter of the will of will and intention, which may or may not accompany emotion, but it's the, the will and the intention that matters that we count as devotion. Now, if we recall, religion is not in a technical sense a theological virtue. It is not principally aimed at God, but the things of God. So unlike faith, hope, and charity, religion's immediate object and concern is not God, but the cultus of God again, the cult of God, the cultivation of God. God is that to which religion is directed, but its immediate concern is not God. It's me- the immediate concern of religion is actually the creature's recognition of his situation before God. It is our recognition of our, our need of God, our dependence on God. That's the virtue of religion. So we can say in itself, religion is not supernatural, though by grace, faith, hope, charity, the theological virtues, religion may become supernatural. But in fact, religion in itself is quite natural. This is what we said at the beginning with St. Thomas Aquinas in, in the ancients, is religion is actually something that comes quite natural to man. It's an observation of Carl Jung as well. So it is important and incumbent upon man that he recognize his dependent place in the, in the universe, his subordination to higher powers and to God. This is not to say that religion comes naturally to everyone in the sense that uh, for some, you know, it, it's, religion is easy and for others it's difficult. But this is just to say that at the core of man's being, he is a religious being. Father White notes something interesting, and he says that to all of this, It means a certain playing of a role, that religion as a practice is a playing of a role. A performance achieves no immediate utilitarian end outside of man himself, but the role is reasonable and a realistic one, precisely because it puts the ego in its place, not merely in theory, but in practice, that there is a performance and a role we must engage in to, in practice, put ourselves below God. And in, in practice, the practices we do that whereby we recognize our dependence on God is worship, praise, prayer, sacrifice, all these things. Another note is Ratzinger in his book, Spirit of the Liturgy, talks about liturgy as play in similar languages. And it's the same idea that the liturgy has no reasonable end. There's no reason why we be engaged in the liturgy for a practical purpose. The point of the liturgy is to be, as Ratzinger says, healing and liberating, as play is for children. Play for children is a place for them to express themselves and to to break away from the ordinary. And the same thing happens in the liturgy. We express our creaturely needs, and we are unburdened by the everyday existence and enter into a sacred existence. This acting out in the Thomistic view is of great importance. The interior, the mental, the voluntary element in religion is essential and primary. That is our spiritual willing and assent to God or our submission to God. Without without it, without this element, 
There is no intelligent involuntary submission to God. External performance without this interior element will become meaningless and perfunctory and even a hypocritical routine that I go to church just because. But the whole of man is God's creature. His religion, man's religion, should express man's whole being, his body and his soul. So it makes sense that appropriate bodily postures and gestures in which mental and physical attitudes are harmonized, that there should be a exterior element of external praise or, or sacrifice that is harmonized with the interior element of, of faith. Faith is, is something that resides in our minds and that can't be seen, but it can be seen in concrete visible action. So an authentic religion will require that man, by signs and symbols, will be stirred to mental acts that it is, it is through the sensible that man may intellectually or spiritually ascend to God. So switching to Carl Jung, Jung says that religion is a relationship to the highest or most powerful value, be it positive or negative. The relationship is voluntary as well as involuntary. That is, you can accept consciously the value by which you are possessed unconsciously. That psychological fact which wields the greatest power in your system functions as a god, since it is always the overwhelming psychic factor which is called god. The strongest and therefore the decisive factor in, the in, in any individual psyche compels the same belief or fear or submission or devotion which a god would demand of man. So Jung says that we're free to decide whether what god shall be or sh shall be called, it can be a spirit, or he says, or a natural phenomenon like a, an addiction or any other force. But whatever it is, it's the thing of highest value in our system or whatever we hold at the top essentially functions as God. This is part of the God archetype is the thing that wields the greatest value, the thing that wields the greatest influence in our minds is God for all intents and purposes. In some sense, this is why Jung says it's better to consciously acknowledge this existence of God than not. Because if we don't consciously acknowledge God, a least a somewhat supernatural or super ordinate or, or metaphysical being, we will end up worshiping something quite inappropriate. I think this is a bit of what Peterson means when he says, act as if God exists, is that you have two options. You can act as if God exists, or you can act as if he doesn't exist. This is part of his critique of atheism is that people who claim to be atheists do not act truly as if God doesn't exist. They still unconsciously act as if God does exist. They don't take God's death or God's non-existent as seriously as Nietzsche. The Nietzsche said that if you believe that there is no God, then all these other ideas have to go away. Why do we value truth over untruth? Why do we value morality over immorality? And he says this is because we still cling to God. P part of Nietzsche's critique is he looks around him, you know, in his time, he looked around him and he had all these people that said, I'm, I'm a scientist, I'm a Darwinist, I don't believe that there is God, I believe only in the natural world. And he said, but why do they cling to their morals? Why do they cling to the morals of God if they believe that God doesn't exist? Jung thought that even Nietzsche himself was actually a believer in God. Now, what that God looked like had changed and Carl Jung says that the, the God of Nietzsche was dead, but nonetheless, even Nietzsche himself couldn't escape a religious outlook. 
So in Peterson's mind, if you hold to any sort of traditional morality, if you hold to truth, if you hold to goodness, if you hold to acting with gratitude and sacrifice, then you are acting as if God exists. And since Peterson himself holds that truth and sacrifice and gratitude are things worth doing, therefore he acts as if God exists. What's interesting is under religion in the Summa, if you keep reading through that section, you'll see other things related to, to religion. So you have justice, that's the cardinal virtue. From justice comes the virtue of religion. And under religion, you'll see things like truth, gratitude, and sacrifice. All of these are an acting out of religion. And religion is, in, is part of worship of God, that if you act in a religious manner, you are loosely acting in a way that worships God. If we remember that religion is a practice, it's an acting out primarily, then Peterson is saying, I act out religion. I act out that there is a God that these religious acts are ultimately ordered to. In Peterson's language, act religious and see what happens. Place something noble at the top. You know, this is his idea of developing a vision. Place something noble at the top and enter into relationship with it. As Carl Jung said, that religion is a relationship to the highest value. Put something good at the top. Jung calls this a, a superordinate or an extra mundane goal. That religion is, is a, provides a goal that is out of the ordinary. So Peterson is saying, develop a vision for yourself that is out of the ordinary, something that you can aspire to. Enter into relationship with it and act religiously towards it. I think when Peterson encourages others to act in a truthful manner, act in a self-sacrificial manner, do what is meaningful, not what is expedient, I think part of this is an act of humility. If we, if we remember that religion willing acts, they're, they're acts which make the, the ego conscious of its creaturely situation, I think Peterson is encouraging us to realize that we are not the sole arbiters of our existence or of value or of morality or, or whatever it is, that we are inheritors of all these things. Even on a natural level, we've inherited civilization or culture or societies. We haven't created them ourselves in this moment in history. So we should act in a, in a way of humility, that we should realize that there, are, there is something above us, sometimes Peterson calls it being, with a capital B, the, the being of, of whatever's out there. There's something at the top that we have to submit to. This is part of AA as well, to, knowledge, to acknowledge the existence of a creator or a higher power. Now, what exactly that looks like is up to the individual person, but it's to recognize our actual situation, that we cannot and do not control all these things that we are dependent on something else and we should act in, a, in accordance with that, in a religious manner towards that thing. It's possible to separate religion and faith as virtues. And I think it's even possible perhaps to act in a religious manner without faith. And I think Peterson kind of falls into this category, maybe not as of late, but and he kind of flip-flops sometimes it seems like. But I, I do think that practicing religion could be in some sense, a means to get there. Again, as I said at the beginning, it's often that man acts out his faith, he performs his faith. So I think if Peterson continues to act as if, the illogical conclusion is eventually faith. Because all these things that he aspires to, if you act as if God exists, that means that you act in a religious manner, and these religious acts all culminate in God. Religion is quite natural to man. 
And I like Jung's definition here, that it's the relationship of the highest, it's a relationship to the highest or the most powerful value. I think it's important for us to examine what that is. What is the most powerful value or what's the highest value? This is why Peterson accuses many atheists of not being atheists still, is not only do they hold on to the morality that they supposedly reject or the God that is the foundation of that morality, but also that they have a highest value. Everybody, everybody does. And they act in a religious manner towards that highest value, that they sacrifice some things towards that highest value, even if it's hedonism. You know, St. Paul says their God is their belly. Part of that is that we make sacrifices to make hedonism the highest value. I sacrifice, you know, perhaps meaningful relationships to, to pursue whatever I want. Or if it's even sports, something like that, you sacrifice free time, you sacrifice uh, the ability to do what you want for this highest value. Whatever is at the top is God, and we make sacrifices to that thing, whether we know it or not. So if you're not a religious person, I say, act religious and see what happens. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Remember, you can ask me a question and I will answer it on the podcast. Likewise, you can comment below on this video on YouTube and leave a suggestion there or engage with my content there. Either way, I will see you next week.